Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a View from the Bullens podcast. Listen to all the news, views and inside track from Goodison Park. This is a View from the Bullens podcast sponsored by The Beer Keller, Liverpool One. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Park in the Bus podcast, only on A View from the Bullens. So today I'm delighted to be joined by regular guest Patrick Ridge, and we also have a special guest in Kai Jones. So since the last episode, Everton have obviously been to Anfield, produced a very disappointing performance away to Liverpool, and then followed that up with an interesting performance against Leeds, another win, another clean sheet. Another resolute defensive performance with really limited leads in terms of their attacking output and things like that. But again, I think we showed a, a lot of uh, a lack of sorry uh, attacking threat. We seemed to create the chances, but didn't have the people to put them away. And I think that's obviously something we're going to touch on and something we're going to definitely have to get used to for the rest of the season. So... Uh, firstly, a quick chat on Liverpool. Obviously, we'll try and keep that brief as it was a, a game to forget, that's for sure. Um, we, I think Dice tried to make us play a little bit of a shorter game. With DCL out injured, it was kind of understandable. We tried to play, play a, a, a lot less long passes. I think we had 9, 9.95% of our passes were long, which is down on the Leeds and Arsenal games um, significantly, really. And like I said, playing without DCL, I think, we had to sort of adjust the way we play, but of course it, it certainly didn't work and, and we were very toothless in attack, uh, unorganised in midfield and you know, quite frankly, pretty shocking at the back. Patrick, I'm going to come to you first. Um, obviously, like I mentioned, Dice tried to get us to play through midfield a bit more, which I think we've learned over the course of the season. It's not really our strong point at all. 
Liverpool themselves haven't really dominated midfields this season. They've struggled immensely. What what do you think was wrong with it with the setup that Dyche went for? And you know, was it was similar to the Arsenal game in terms of the four five one, but a completely different performance and result. So, what do you think sort of went wrong in terms of the setup? Um, yeah, you're right, Mark. Well, it was a it was a game to forget. Uh, so, I just kind of been racking my brains to actually remember remember exactly how it went. But um, no, I think I think. That- the, the key to the to the match, and we probably said it on the podcast that we did after the Arsenal game. The key to that type of form and performance, and we saw it again this weekend, is Calvert Lewin. And without that type of, without Calvert Lewin, or without someone who is more similar to him on the spectrum than Neil Morpé is, or Ellis Sims even, um, you can't really play that type of performance and, and replicate how it was against Arsenal and. I think, I'm not sure if it was a tactical thing that Dice got us to play short. Maybe it was a bit when he tried to compensate. But if you, the first 10 minutes we had that chance, well, half chance where uh, Sims actually got through and Matic completely misread a header. Sims got in and a player with a bit more confidence, maybe he was nervous, you know, starting his first Premier League game of the season, just his second Premier League start ever, starting at Anfield. Um, you know, maybe someone with a bit more confidence, maybe Sims in the Championship, Sunderland would have would have taken that on a bit for, but he kind of panicked and shot early. And then we just didn't really do that again. And I think Liverpool realised after about 15 minutes, it were like, they, these have nothing. And I think it was just them stepping up that further 10 yards and us getting bogged down in what we've seen. I mean, I described it after the game. It, it, it felt like a Lampard performance in the latter days of... Lampard's time here and uh, we saw that with the goals as well and just getting bogged down in midfield so I didn't put too much blame on Deitch I didn't even put too much blame on the players really in the sense of I just think it showed that where we are as a team we're a very poor side uh, we're one of the worst five or six in the league and um, you know we are where we are because we belong there um, and yeah then like you said that that's the issue for me that's the worry for me is that teams will know that teams who have quality at the back or enough quality to compensate Neil Morpé or Ellie Sims. Um, you know, Calvert-Lewin is a different kettle of fish completely, but teams that have that confidence and that pace, you know, Joe Gomez is a quick player, Trent Alexander-Arnold Alexander is a quick player, Robertson's a quick player. They'll just step up and squeeze the pitch almost and do, do to us what we want to do to teams. Uh, and then it, when if it becomes then a quality a battle of quality, I don't think we have it. Um, but yeah, the biggest disappointment for me was then the midfield losing that battle. Um, I'm sure that was Deitch's big disappointment. He probably expected that, OK, we're not going to be able to... Hip Sims won't be able to hold it up like Calvert-Lewin. But if we can get on those second balls, if we can win that midfield battle, we, we have a chance, we have a platform. And we just weren't able to do it. So yeah, bad day at the office. I hope he learned lessons from it in the sense of how it does have to change without Calvert-Lewin there, even if it's Sims playing, even if it's Morpé playing, but also maybe that there's some mitigating decision, some decisions you can make to mitigate that as well, like elsewhere in the team as well with certain personnel choices maybe. But um, but yeah, just, just a bad day at the office, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned obviously very similar to a Lampard performance. That's something I noticed straight away. There was a lack of midfield organisation and, you know, Mikulenko and Coleman were getting beat at every opportunity. And what we saw in the Arsenal game was a lot of counter-pressing, high-pressing, high-intensity, organised midfield, organised defence, and every, nearly every factor seemed to completely disappear for this game. And that's where I, I was a bit worried that maybe we got ahead of ourselves 
in terms of the first game under Dyche, because we did see a massive improvement. We saw these fundamental things, the key principles that he brought in. We did see them against Arsenal and they completely went away. So there was a worry for me that it was, you know, a new manager bounce, uh, a situation where, you know, it was just, it was just a bit a bit of luck and Arsenal were, were poor on the day. But obviously with the Leeds game, we went on to win it 1-0, another resolute performance. As I mentioned then, we don't want to touch on the Liverpool game too much. It's not an exciting, it's not a you know exciting thing to talk about for us. We want to we want to be talking about the wins, and we had one at the weekend. So on to Leeds, an XG of two point two, according to Y Scout, which was the highest that we've had this season, and zero point two five, I believe, that Leeds had, which is the lowest we've you know had against us this season. So there was on paper, it looked like an impressive performance in terms of we created chances. We limited Leeds' chances, but at the end of the day, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly the prettiest. We weren't, you know, free-flowing football, but like we've mentioned before, it's the sort of reality where we're at at the moment. So, Kai, I'm going to come to you. How do you think we find a, a way of playing without Calvert-Lewin scoring goals and, and being able to get us points? Because, you know, like I said, we create chances, but we don't have the players to put these chances away, you know, Decore's bombing into the box and, and fumbling his, on, on, you know, the ball under his feet. Mopay's not getting into the right positions all the time. A majority of our, our chances are coming from set pieces. So how do you think we, we try and find a way? Because we obviously we scored through Coleman, but it was probably a one in a million goal. You don't, you don't ever get, you know, opportunities like that that go in. Coleman said it himself, I think he scores that one in a hundred times or something. So yeah, how would you, how do you think we need to find a way of playing without Cavalier? Because I feel like we've definitely got to learn to live without him right now. Yeah, of course you do. But when, when he's out that much injured, it just goes to show again, the lack of forward planning. Again, this is something you could talk all day about, but with, you've got, so you've got Malpai and you've got Ellie Sims and then, that is probably it because you can't go looking into the under 21s because that was it. That that was what we did with Ellie Sims. Probably the best way going forward would be to integrate Ellie Sims just based off the fact that you've got more prospects going forward. Because if you're going to play someone who's not of the level right now, I don't think there's much point wasting time on Malpai because he's probably, you probably have to write him off because he's not good enough, not for this style anyway. Uh, at Brighton in a completely different style he wasn't amazing so I don't see how he fits into a Premier League side necessarily with Brentford being the best time of his career in the Championship with with Ellie Sims I think there's a higher ceiling there we don't know what that ceiling is it could be the same ceiling as Malpai but you've got to give him a chance because if we're prepared to sacrifice a striker we might as well gamble and improve on a striker going forward. On the greater aspect of things, I think if you can keep solid, obviously in the Premier League, you, every single team in this league gives you at least one chance. We saw it at Man City at the weekend, they peppered uh, Forest with chances, five big chances in that game, but Forest got one chance, they scored it. Similar to us again to Aston, we had a few chances in that one, but we did take our chance. And then against Man City, again, even with Lampard in charge, we took a chance. Every team will give you that one chance. So it's just taking that chance, obviously, but it does come with a price if you don't take it, such as if you concede early, for example, as you did against Liverpool. So it's remaining solid at, the, at having a cornerstone of a team that you can rely on and that don't make stupid mistakes. 
is the only way we can learn, ironically, the only way we can learn to live without Calvert-Lewin. So his absence, his, the defending aspect of the game is what we have to rely on, ironically, at the end of, at the, end of the pitch. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's it's something we're going to have to get used to. It's not great. It's not nice. And I think I saw something on Twitter today that I think 44% of IXGs come from set pieces under Dash, which is it's just crazy. And, you know, I think set pieces are a massive part of the game. I don't think it's a massive thing to be sort of ashamed of or or to be worried that we're, you know, we're only creating through set pieces. If we can get into these positions and get crosses into the box, corners come, free kicks come. You know, the amount of crosses we put into the box from McNeil and Awobi was insane. I think McNeil had about 11 in the first half. And you'll get corners from it. Against def- defences like Leeds, they don't want to deal with that. We'll get corners and that's when we can create chances. If that's the way we're going to start having to score goals, then fine. If Tarkowski ends up our top goal scorer at the end of the season, I don't mind as long as we're staying up. And and yeah, like like I'm, we've just touched upon there, um, Patrick, obviously this, the striker situation... Obviously, Decore and, and Onana have been sort of altering and, and getting into the box, making third-man runs. And I, I think the issue we definitely have is neither of them are that comfortable in the opposition third. And we saw that with Decore, you know, with that, with that chance where Sims put him in towards the end of the game. We saw it with Onana a few times. He burst through and he put his scarred one over the bar. He, he dragged one wide. And these are two players that aren't really that comfortable with the ball at their feet in, in attacking positions. So is is there is this a, a position you'd potentially be looking to change? Obviously, Decore gives you a lot defensively in terms of work rate and things like that, and he can drive well with the ball. But in terms of trying to find a way for us to score more goals, you know, and create, convert more chances in the opposition third, is there potentially room for a little change-up, maybe getting Gray into the number 10, maybe getting a Wobi into the number 10? Or do you think we're sort of sacrificing other positions if we do that? Yeah, I think unfortunately just where we are right now, Gray's and I don't think Gray's the answer there in a Sean Dyke system, not without Dominic Calvert-Lewin um, to play off. And I honestly, look, I, I will be a bit of an elephant in the room for me. I am going to, he played, I think he played well on, um, on Saturday and the, the numbers back that up, but all season we've seen him play midfield and whether it's been at the start of the season in a double pivot, then, you know, he played that one game against Parsons at number 10. I don't know why he didn't go one and a half games. I don't know why he didn't stay in there longer. You know, when he was probably at his best in the left side of the 4-3-3, then he played a lot on the right side. But our midfields look better. But against Liverpool, our midfielders looked a lot better in the last two home games. And that's not a slight against the world, but it's just unfortunately we are where we are. And I think a solid a more solid-looking, energetic, not energetic, so it's very energetic, but stronger midfield, um, of that three central out-and-out central midfielders probably works best for us at the minute. And on the flip side, I'm not sure if... So Decore does the hard work, doesn't he, the other day? He makes the third-man run, which is actually what he's good at. He's what he was really good at Watford. It's how he got a lot of his goals. I think if you look at the goal record, Decore actually has a better goal record than he will be in the, in the Premier League. Um, I get it about the creativity side of it, but I think Decorey makes that third man run that Awobi necessarily doesn't do just because they're not exactly the same type of players, but then he lacked the composure at the end of it. And I agree on Onana. It's like 
think the Corin and Anna are both comfortable in the final third if they're the ones who can give the pass. They don't want to be finishing the move. And unfortunately, I think we've got a lot of players like that. Um, and this is this is the issue we have, isn't it? Um, that we, we just don't really have players who you think are going to supply that, that finishing touch almost. And it's how we bundle through. So... I wouldn't be adverse to seeing it will be moved central if we're um I wouldn't I wouldn't change the shape necessarily to start games, but you know, Gray was about to come on, wasn't he, when we scored the other day. Gray was literally stripped off and ready to come on and then Dyke changed his mind. And I wouldn't be adverse to seeing if we're chasing a game that Gray doesn't replace one of the wingers, but maybe replaces one of the midfielders and we go tomorrow four, two, three one and put a will be central. Um, especially if you've got Mopai playing, because I think Mopai maybe could you know, he's not the hold-up player, but he can work with it to feet. So could there be a bit of sharp, relatively speaking, interplay on the edge of the box? Could could he will be fine up in a bit of space like he did for the goal that Mopé scored against West Ham, which, you know, I think going back, that's Mopé's only Premier League goal in 29 appearances now, um, which, you know, just casts more doubt over why we actually signed the guy. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I, I wouldn't change too much from the start, but I think it's... I think the issue comes for Deitch is that our in, if we need need to change the game, then it's how he does that. And will he be brave and not just make it a like for like winger for winger sub, but will he, you know, put it will be central? Will he maybe say Ben Godfrey's going to come on for one of the fullbacks and that's going to allow our entire line to push up a bit higher because we've got that pace? Um, could he ch- even, uh, you're having to think of all options now. Could he chuck Yerry Mina on for a Connor Cody and say, right, well, Yeah, give us half an hour, you're the defender, but you're also an attacking option from set pieces. And I made the comment while I was watching the game the other day that it was almost like um, I was watching with a a friend who's a Leeds fan and my dad, and I was like, we're we're like an NFL team now. We've got a certain amount of downs to win a set piece or win a free kick, win a corner, that's our aim. And it's kind of just how we're going to have to be and try and see if that makes us win five more games, one nil, I think. And then, you know, if we can get Calvert-Lewin back and it's a big if and he can stay back, then that allows us to, it just gives us that breathing space then because if he plays like he did against Arsenal, it opens up so much more room for the, because he pushes defenders back and then the midfielders have space. Alex Wobie, Dwight McNeil, Damari Gray, they have space to run inside and and find those pockets. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's positives to work with. I don't want to be downbeat. We've won a massive game, but like it just felt, we know we know what the issues are. Luckily, I think I do think we've got a manager who is very aware of what the issues are. It's just whether he can find a way to fix them. Yeah, I think that's why he heavily focuses on set pieces, and I, you can tell that they've done a lot of work on the training ground. You can tell straight away that you know we look so effective, and you know in comparison to Lampard under Lampard, it's completely different and. And yeah, the, the, the issue we got is obviously a way, like I've, I've obviously suggested there, a way be potentially coming into the number 10 or, you know, the third eight sort of thing. But again, you're then trying to find a player to play in this position. And it's quite clear from the early days that I don't think Daj is, is comfortable with playing Gray in this position. We've barely even seen him brought on off the bench to play on the on the wing. And I think that's obviously to do with, you know, his defensive work rate and things like that. And, and that, that was something I, I pointed put it out straight away. As soon as Dodge come in, I had a feeling Gray would maybe, you know, be, wouldn't be the player that starts every week. Cause he's one of the, he's had one of the most starts in the, in the team, you know, under Lampard. But 
I did have a feeling that things would change, but yeah, we, it's, it, it, you know, we, we, we have these discussions and it's all about pretty much fully centered around trying to find a way or trying to discuss a way that we can try and find more goals in this team. And, and yeah, over to you guys, similar sort of question, because obviously Awebi was on the right hand side of midfield, obviously on the left and on the right. Um, what he did offer us defensively was six, six tackles. It was obviously the most on the pitch or more than anyone on the pitch. Three key passes, three dribbles completed, the assist for Coleman's goal. He's offered so much defensively and going forward. Would you be looking to sort of move him out of that position, get him into a more attacking position, get him in that final third a bit more? Or do you think we're sacrificing a bit too much? Because obviously the work rate he had against Arsenal and against... Uh, Leeds tracking back for for Wilfred Nonto and obviously Martinelli on the other on the other side. Um, sorry, against Arsenal, I'll I'll be able to sort of sacrifice that defensive work rate to try and maybe give us a bit more attacking output, or do we now need to just keep focusing on being solid at the back and just hoping that the goals will come? Yeah, I think at the end there you. Took the road I was going to go down. That's why I was thinking that have to because what I'm thinking of if you have it will be centrally. He's brilliant. I love it will be as a player and he's like technically he's excellent. I'm just thinking if you move him centrally, who plays on the right and who gives that work rate back? If we had another, if we had a carbon copy of him, I say yeah, play him, play him on the right, him on centrally. I take five Wolves on this team for good, but it's just having him on the right obviously that defensive angle and for the goal I think we saw Bruno Fernandes yesterday with Manu him playing on the right actually made him gave him better options going forward because he had more of the pitch to work with like in terms of space didn't have two holding midfielders sat next to him and then that similar to it will be if he gets the ball up in the white on the wide in the wide areas he can see those curved runs being made in front of him and it's easier to kind of find a way around them the alternative option, whereas the midfield is concerned, we've got James Garner come back in, and he's got a bit more, you know, finesse and a bit more composure in the in the middle third, definitely. And that, and he also likes to put a foot in as well. That could offer Onana to go a bit further forward without having to always track back because with Onana and Dakure, you've got two that want to do the same thing. And in the in the in the three positions in the midfield, then with if we've got Garner, we've got a bit more diversity in terms of just on the ball quality and and he is also brilliant at set of pieces as well, which has to come into it. I know Dwight McNeil's been excellent, so as it will be on the other side of the other corners. And I just think if you look at the average positions from Saturday, it's almost it resembles a 4-3-3, which is something I didn't expect. I expected a 4-4-2 for the rest of the for the rest of the Tai Chi era. But obviously we haven't got there's no point in playing both of our bad strikers. So obviously we've gone for a 4-3-3. Well, it was going to be a four-five-one in my head initially. So it's been a four-three-three. That does show example sort of it being a bit more progressive and a bit shows example that Dyke has somewhat developed as a manager. We saw it with we saw it with Eddie Howe when he went away from management. He went to Atletico Madrid and shadowed the uh, shadowed Simeone and became a different animal. I think Dyke has somewhat gone down that route and he's assessed himself as a manager and thought I can. I'm a good manager. I can alter my systems based on which players I've got. And until we get new players, I think that's what's going to help us a lot this season. And if that means it will be playing on the right, I'd be happy with it if we keep scraping one nils. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, I think that's a, definitely a fair assessment on Dodge there. I think he's gone away, not rushed back into a job. You know, he could have got a job. He could have easily got a job as a firefighter, putting, taking over a team that's looking to, you know, that are close to getting relegated and trying to, make them hard to be and things like that. But he's gone away, he's took his time and, you know, he's come out now and he's definitely showing a different side. You know, when I was never a fan of Daesh's Burnley side, simply because it's just not the, the way I like to play football. It's not the way I've liked to coach football. It's not the way I like to watch football. But he's definitely starting to bust a few myths, I think. I think we don't go long from every goal kick. We don't go long every time Cody and Tarkowski get the ball. And that is something we saw at Burnley. They they went long every single time and it, pretty much without fail. Pope, not comfortable with the ball at his feet. And, you know, now he's got a keeper in Pickford who's comfortable with the ball. So he's definitely, you know, we don't have the Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood up top. He's definitely shown a, a different side to his game and he's been more adaptable and a bit more, you know... <laughs> It's hard to say free-flowing because we're not playing free-flowing football, but he's definitely busting myths in terms of it's 100% long ball, 100% ugly, ugly football. And, you know, I think he can definitely, if he manages to keep us up, he can definitely progress and keep us keep us going in, in you know, in years to come. I think he's he's got a lot more to show. But I don't think we're going to see the full side of him this season because he just doesn't have the squad for it, unfortunately. So moving on to Aston Villa this weekend at home. Bit of a bogey side, I think. Aston Villa for us, you know, it's never a place we like to go away from home. I think we lost there earlier on in the season two one, I think. And obviously at home this time. Uh, Patrick, come to you. Is there any changes you'd make? Obviously, there's a very similar side to the Liverpool game and the Arsenal game. Sort of just a change up top for both games, I believe. Obviously, uh, Sims coming in for Liverpool and then Mope in for the next game. I, th- I think watching the game, I think Mope didn't have the worst of games. I think he could have made a few better runs. I think McNeil got a few, uh, flashed a few balls across the box where Mope could possibly have got in. I think he came, he kept coming short for the ball, hope, hoping that there'd be sort of third man runners behind him. I think he, he looked a lot better than I've seen him in recent in recent months, for sure. And I think we kind of played a little bit more to his strengths, less pumping it to his head more trying to get it to his feet a little bit, letting him drop in a bit. And I think it's just Dyche's way of slowly working out how these players want to play. And 
personally, I'd like to see, I think Dyche has been a manager over the years to really stick with a side. You know, he likes to have 11 on the pitch the next week, the same 11 and the same 11 getting consistency is definitely the case for his sort of spine of his team, at least. So would you be looking to make any changes for the Aston Villa game or would you possibly keep it the same? Um, I think he'll keep it the same. Uh, Mopi, I agree. I don't think he was awful. I think he did the bare minimum, which is maximum effort and everything like that. But I, look, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not been slating the, the players' effort really for much of the season. There's been some instances where clearly they haven't put 100 percent in, but generally, I think they've tried. Just don't think they're that good. Uh, but I do think Mopi, we did play. We we played smarter than we did when he came on against Arsenal, but that's probably a reflection of who we're playing. Leeds are bad. Leeds are, Leeds are the worst team that we have seen rock up to Goodison, and that includes us, who are there every week, and um, you know Wolves and Southampton, who were dreadful as well. Yeah, they were awful, and I do think that Mope up against, uh, was it Koch and Wober who started, wasn't it? Um, uh, who... My Leeds supporting friends tell me he's been pretty decent, Wilbur, and um, you know he's looked okay in flashes. But Mopé was aggressive and nasty, and I think that was a smart move. And we did get him involved in the game just by playing it to feet. And the smart thing that we did is when we did go long from goal kicks or cleared it, we we managed, if you look, we managed to get it to Iwobi or Decore or Anana would be the target, not Mopé. And that changes so much because they're so much more likely to win the flick on than him who's five foot eight. And, you know, he, he manages to kind of injure one of their defenders by going up for a header and just doing enough to put him off balance and he was winning free kicks. So that side of the game I liked. What I didn't like is he showed no instincts to get on the end of stuff. Even if you look at Coleman's goal, he's just jogging to the edge of the box. And the thing, thing is, is he actually starts that move with a nice little layoff, but then there's no intent. And it's like, if you're not showing that intent, what are you offering? So my worry is going up against better defenders who I know aren't amazing, but I do think Konza and Mings are bigger and stronger than leaders do centre-backs. Um, is that the right selection? But I'm, I'm weighing to the side of just, just keep the same team, but be flexible with the changes and maybe he has to make them earlier if we're seeing what we saw the other day because I don't think Emmy Martinez is going to gift us a goal like Ilan Medley did. I don't think we're going to... You know, Seamus Coleman's going to score another another wonder ball. Maybe, uh, maybe Mikelenko's going to volley one in. But yeah, I I just hope that if it's uh, it's going to be a completely different kettle of fish against Villa. Um, the and the what I worry about is players like Bailey if he plays or Ramsey running like breaking our lines of running at our defence. So I don't think he'll do it, but I would probably like to see Mina in if given the chance because it's another threat from set pieces as well. But I just I think he'll stick with Cody because, like you said, Mark, he wants consistency. Um, yeah, and just probably it's going to be a case of can we get to an hour, see how the game's going, and then and then make those changes. But like I said, I hope if that is the case, he's, he is brave. I hope it's you know if he has to bring Sims on that he also realizes he needs someone to be able to get close to Sims. So can he move him over inside on? Maybe we have James Garner available to bring on from the bench and he could maybe even play a kind of a hybrid role on the right wing, you know, um, be quite narrow in possession, but off the ball, just work back and double up with the fullback. And then we've also got another passing option from deep then and, and maybe that can push it will be up further forward. So yeah, Patterson might be back as well. So there's options, isn't there? But I think he'll I think he'll keep it the same. Yeah, it's difficult to argue against that. You see a lot of people calling for Mina. 
And I, I do believe he's our best defender, and I think a lot of people agree with that. But, you know, we started with Cody and Tarkowski. I don't think they've been... The Liverpool game was an, an anomaly in terms of the last three games. I think they've, in the in the, in the the Arsenal game and in the Leeds game, they look solid. They look they look solid together. And, and like we've mentioned, Dyche likes these sort of partnerships. You'd have me and Tarkowski. you have Woods and Barnes. You know, Brownhill and, and Cork or Westwood for Burnley. He likes to have that, them partnerships in the spine of the team. So I think the chances of it really changing at the back are pretty slim unless we sort of get an injury. And, you know, same to you, Kai, same question. I think we discussed, me, Patrick and, and Alan last week about potentially there was potential for Godfrey to come in at fullback potential for maybe Holgate on the at right back. You know, we discussed the sort of four centre-backs across the back. But obviously, Deitch stuck with it the last three games now. Is that a sort of a change you'd be potentially looking at? Because I think Coleman had an excellent game against Leeds. Mikalenko looked a lot better than the Liverpool game, for sure. He definitely improved his performance. But there's going to be some tricky... They've got some tricky players out wide. Um, Aston Villa, you know, Buendia, Ramsey coming, coming in. Bailey, Coutinho could be playing. There's a lot of, you know, talent out wide. So is there is that a position you'd potentially be looking at changing or are you, you know, similar to, to Patrick in terms of trying to keep it the same? So initially when Deitch came in, I was expecting one proper fullback and then Godfrey, I, whichever side, didn't really matter, whatever Deitch preferred. Because at Burnley, he would always have that one properly defensive fullback which was sometimes like Matt Loughton, which is probably which is a fullback, but obviously defensive minded, and that was his game. So I was expecting us to maybe have Godfrey on the right and then Mikalenko push up, or vice versa with Coleman, because before Dyche came in, Coleman had made one key pass all season, so 0.1 per 90 total. So I was like, okay, he's not got much to offer, and he defensively does lack a pace. But so I was expecting one of them to be dropped in favour of the physicality of Godfrey. So when he's, when the, both of them have been in the squad, I think it's integrated well because there's not a lot of pressure on them. I know Coleman scored and this is a decisive goal at the weekend, but there's not been a low, loads of pressure on them to get crosses in because it will be, has been crossing from deep as well, which is actually quite like because it obviously leaves us less open in transitions. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be an angle on which we exploit Villa. Um, the second ball as well, I do Against Arsenal, we pressed amazingly. We pressed really organised and it, there was a structure to it and there was press triggers that were dil- diligently um, approached. Mings and Konza make about 10 accurate passes per game and that's not the game, they just hoof it. I think there's a lot of pressure to be applied to them. That's why Malpai maybe does get a game because of his energy and he will leave a foot in whether you like it or not he does have that wind-up ability and Mings may succumb to that. He's just, Mings is also fresh off the, an error leading to a goal against Arsenal. So possibly there's some chance to exploit that. He's been injured as well, so he's not maybe 100% sharp. It's just, I could, I know now that Unai Emery's going to set up in a 4-4-2 and I just hope we don't get overloaded on the wings. And if we do get overloaded on the wings, that we don't, that Dwight McNeil and it will be don't just become wing backs and that we do actually let them stay forward because otherwise we're just going to keep inviting pressure and we end up going to be we're going to be hoofing it to Malpa. He's going to lose it. Um, if if they do have Coutinho in the 10 even or coming centrally, 
I really hope that doesn't impact our midfielders too much with how much they want to drop deep and hope Ghana can just address that on his own. Because if we have to ask two of them to stay back, maybe we do lose a bit of progressive play going forward. We don't, if Anana has to stay back, we don't have that like aerial turn style in the midfield that can just win the flick-ons because if not him, who? And how really? Because that that that's the gateway to having the ball out wide. And if that doesn't happen, they could just see us getting invited to pressure and we'll concede shots and then they had they had next year's 0.51 against Arsenal, but they did score twice and they hit the bar. They're quite potent when they do get the chances. Uh, negating that pressure in uh, that space in behind for Ollie Watkins has to be a, a big factor because on the left or the right he's deadly, and at the minute he's running hot. He's not a player that runs hot often, but he does now. He is at the minute, and you can just see he's the type of player that scores against us, and we need to avoid any errors like result in that. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned Watkins. I obviously, obviously watched the Aston Villa Arsenal game, and yeah, his his finish for the for the first goal was unbelievable. You know, Saliba stood him up, and it didn't matter what foot he, he showed him to left foot, right foot. He'll finish chances like that, and I think that's the worry we have to think about because against Liverpool they looked they looked to counter attack us. You know, in transition they were they were deadly, they were fast, so powerful. And that's that's what Liverpool are good at when they do when they do it they do it well you know with Nunes and, and Salah they're, they're so dangerous on the counter attack and and that's where we come unstuck against Arsenal you know they've not got they're not got Enketia running in behind loads Leeds Bamford's the same he's not that sort of player to run in behind so I think that's definitely an issue we need to we need to worry about in terms of Watkins because that's how they play they you know they invite the pressure invite the pressure and then. Watkins finds them channels. He finds that space in between the centre-backs, in between the centre-backs and left-backs and right-backs. He'll find them spaces all day. And, you know, that's potentially an area we can look at in terms of maybe getting a bit more pace at the back because Cody and Tarkowski definitely don't have too too much between them in terms of pace. I don't think anyone's going to argue that one. But yeah, that's uh, all wrapped up then. The uh, Parking the Bus podcast. Thank you so much to Kai for his first ever appearance. Hopefully, definitely getting him on again soon because he was excellent. And thanks again, Patrick, as usual. Keep an eye on all the a View from the Bullins socials. There's a lot of big news to be coming in the next few weeks. Nice and exciting. Some really exciting things coming. So, yeah, keep your eyes peeled on that. We'll hopefully be back even next week or the week after to hopefully discuss some victories once again. Probably another 1-0 home win, set-piece goal. I don't mind as long as we get that win. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening. So take care and all the very best.